Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched X-Men Days of Future Past, directed by Brian Singer and released in 2014. This episode will contain spoilers if you haven't seen this one already. The plot summary of X-Men Days of Future Past. The X-Men send Wolverine back in time in a desperate effort to change history and prevent an event that results in doom for both humans and mutants. Yes. That, for once, is actually much better than my my summary of it. Um, apart from that, I think it's only humans that um, that that try to help mutants that get killed in the dystopian future. Right. Um, they talk about that, but it seems like it's pretty bad for everybody because there's no light and it's dark all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sad future where everything is bad all the time. It is very sad dystopian future that they're in. Um, yeah, so we've got two time periods going on here. We've got... What I'm assuming is supposed to be the present, which I'll get into later, um, where... See, I read a review that seems to think it's 2023 because they say something about 50 years and going back 50 years. Oh, right. So it's like the... But that doesn't make any sense because all of the characters are... Anyway, (laughs) um, putting that aside for now, Mm. there's the future timeline. Let's call it the future timeline Mm. where um, we've got a whole bunch of mutants, some of whom we know from the original X-Men trilogy and some that are new, who are like in this desperate fight against the Sentinels and they have come up with this way of sending one of them back in time um, or their consciousness back in time to their earlier body in order to warn everybody that the Sentinels are coming so that they can avoid them. And then Professor X decides, well, let's try and do that and send me my consciousness all the way back to the 70s when this all started because Mystique killed Peter Dinklage. They're like, no, no, you can't do that. So Wolverine has to do it because he can repair himself. Otherwise, he's the only one strong enough to do it. So that's sort of the setup for it. Um, I think it would have been really good to have a bridging movie about, or a bridging like half hour special or something about, the future mutants. Mm. I think that would have helped a lot because firstly, there's a lot of cool mutants that we've never met before that looked really interesting that we didn't get to know anything about. So it's not just me. Blink is new. Yeah, Blink is new and And, amazing. um, Bishop, is he new or is he old? Bishop is new. Okay, good. Because it could have just been my lack of knowledge about X-Men, but they both were. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. This movie shoehorns a lot into its runtime. I don't actually know how long it runs for, maybe two hours? Yeah, a little bit over two hours, yeah, I think. a little over two hours. It's it's relatively long, but not by the modern standards that long. It shoves a lot in there, so you don't actually get to know a lot about the current slash future day yeah, mutants. Yeah, which is why I think it would have been good to just have like a little bridging thing in there where we got to know them a bit and got to understand what's going on in their timeline. Mm, so because, like an X4 type thing. Yeah, yeah. or like just a – like Days of Future Past, you know, introduction, mm. <laughs> like a, a mini series on the internet or something. Oh, like yeah, yeah. a little thing. Because I was confused. I actually thought when I first met Blink, I thought she was Scarlet Witch because mm. the red in her hair and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, that's how they're doing it. Cool. But then it's not because we, we actually meet Quicksilver back in 1973. Yeah. And Blink is so cool. I just want a whole thing about Blink because mm. her power is amazing. I know. Um, and the whole thing just looked really cool. And that their whole setup was really interesting and cool. Mm. But I'm going to put that aside for now because yeah. then we get into all of the fun stuff in the 70s Yeah, um, with 
um, James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender teaming up again as the young um, Charles Xavier and Eric Lencher, who were Professor X and Magneto. Um, and they throw Wolverine in there. And Beast is around a lot, but doesn't really do anything. Um, Beast kind of looks sad. <laughs> And you want to give him a hug. That was yeah. my feelings about Beast. I wanted to hug him. And I was like, how did this poor kid get stuck with this druggy Professor X at this point? Um, and then they pick up some mutants and and they go after um, Mystique, who has a terrific storyline in this movie. And I loved it. Mm. Um, really terrific storyline for her in this movie, which I think might be partly because they have Jennifer Lawrence in there playing her. Right. I don't know if they would have gone for it as much if they didn't have someone like her playing her. Mm. Yeah, so they did all of that and it's great. And it's the thing about this movie is there's these plot holes you could drive that giant stadium that Eric has at the end of the movie through, right? Mm. Like traditional Magneto right. grandstanding <laughs> stadium. There's there's huge plot holes and yet I just loved it. Really? I, oh, cool. I had so much fun watching the movie. That, like, I couldn't give it a low grade, even though there's, like, almost no representation and there's so many plot holes and so many, like, it's a it's a retconning AU where yep. nothing is the same as we know it anyway. Mm. And yet... Yeah, the whole thing is a big reset button so we can set up for X-Men Apocalypse, basically. Yeah. Which... And it also... It's, it's an AU. It's an alternate universe of everything we already know. Right. And there's all this stuff that doesn't quite fit. Everyone seems to have had so much fun in this. I'm... I'm really stuck in the middle with this one. I'm like, I didn't hate it. It just didn't inspire a heck of a lot of passion in me either. Mm. So it didn't inspire passion in either direction. I enjoyed myself. I didn't get bored, which is always good. I uh, kind of like hanging out in the universe, especially in the 1970s universe. That was great fun. Mm. Uh, yeah, but I yeah, I didn't love it as much as you and everyone else. Everyone keeps saying, the phrase I keep hearing is, it's the best of the X-Men movies. And I'm like, hmm damning it with faint praise i think i don't know i mean i i think that for all his personal failings brian singer really understands x-men yeah um I'm, I'm, that's what i'm saying it might well be the best of the x-men movies but in comparison to marvel and all the other stuff that's going on it's kind of just okay it's better than spider-man yeah, probably. <laughs> the new Spider-Man ones. Um, mm. i got to work out what I gave Spider-Man, then I'm going to give this a better grade. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, no I, I genuinely, I think just he, he does these things where he gets like which person, interpersonal relationships are interesting and he mm. understands how to shoot their powers, which I don't think a lot of the, the two or four middle directors really mm. knew what to do with. Yeah. Like, he he seems to really understand all of their powers and all of their, like, what's interesting about them. I mean, look at that Quicksilver scene. Yeah. Oh, gosh. wasn't That was a highlight, the stuff with Quicksilver. He was so funny and so good. I know. I, I was expecting not to like him, to be honest. And everybody was because Quicksilver's going to be in the Avengers next year and there was all kinds of argy-bargy in the fandom world about – how, who's going to do the Quicksilver? And they didn't. People didn't like his design when they just saw him in still photos. He was just fantastic. I'd like to point out the whitewashing, I guess, of both Quicksilvers. In that originally Quicksilver was a Romani character. Oh right. Um, his yep. mother. That he and Scarlet Witch's mother is Romani, and both of the movies have ignored that. Mm. So um, the Avengers movie has decided to cut. Decided to make them both British. Yep. Um, and obviously not Magneto's kids because... Um, oh, yeah, right, of course. 
he doesn't exist in that universe. Mm. And the X-Men movie decided to make him just some white, basically white trash is what they seem to be going for here. Yeah, he's, yeah he does um, seem to be. But he is, does seem to be Magneto's kid in this one. He does, he does. You, you never know. The Avengers could make him Magneto's kid, but they just won't have Magneto. I don't know how they'll do it. They could do it. Though. No, they already established how they were created. They were made by Hydra experiments. Right, yes, end of end post credit sequence on Cap. Yep. Yeah. So that's clearly not going to happen. So yes, both of them were whitewashed and that's not good. Um representation in this movie was especially bad. Um the only sort of not non white characters from from um first class were killed off in the movies between. Mm. And the only non white characters in the future well, they all die in the future, but everybody but dies in the future. they were the first to go and they didn't get much to do. I think it's more that they didn't get much to do, but then, yeah, it, yeah. Particularly so, Bishop, he didn't get much to do. And Halle Berry, I'm just like, you hire Halle Berry. And I get that she was pregnant while she made this movie, so there was limitations on what she could do stunt-wise. But the, you hire Halle Berry, you bloody use her. Like, well, I think, yeah. I think basically everybody in the future timeline was hampered by having no time. Mm. Um, even the relationship between Charles and Eric, which is the focus of this movie mm. and of... And of the whole series thus far, basically. Not... Not the Wolverine ones, but the... I don't agree with that in the first three. I don't think their relationship is the focus of the first three. I think their relationship is an element of the first three, but it was more about the whole um, pro-mutants versus let's all work together thing you know the the concept of um of magneto as malcolm x and um xavier as martin luther king you're right i think that was more what the interplay was whereas these ones are very much focused on the bromance of charles and eric mm. like the main point yeah the, is- out, the outside the film the love affair between Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart and then the younger two actors has like melded into become canon like Mm. their off-screen actors have melded into the characters yeah and and first class was very much this sort of um (laughs) love affair gone wrong friendship gone awry that's what the point of first class was right? right it was them being friends and then them splitting apart yeah, exactly. And this one continues in that vein and also adds in this thing, which I loved, about how they're both fighting over Raven slash Mystique. Like, they both think Who, they own her. And she's like, I'm having no part of this. I'm my own person. I make my own decisions. And that was great. That was what her story exactly. was. Exactly. And then in the end, that's sort of her whole storyline, basically. Her whole storyline is, uh, neither of you own me. Stop trying to control me. Mm, exactly. Just, yeah, just because you two have the most dominant versions of what mutant should be doesn't mean you're right. Mm. It doesn't mean I can't do my own thing. Yeah, I, I liked her and I liked the way they handled that. And she's great, obviously. Mm. I mean, I would watch Jennifer Lawrence read the phone book and then rave about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she's also interesting because this might be controversial. I don't think her naked, running around fighting naked, is as sexualized as Rebecca Romain in the original X-Men trilogy. Mm. She seems to be a lot more, uh, I don't know, have a lot more agency in it. Mm. I can see where you're coming from. I, it, I'm having, I have to think back to the original trilogy a little bit. But, yeah, I think also just the whole thing about in the original movies, having hired a model to play the part, mm. whereas Jennifer Lawrence is not 
has not been hired because she's a model. She's been hired because she can really act and they want to do something with the character. Yeah. And I think because her whole thing is the mutant and proud concept of like Mm. this version of me is amazing and so she chooses to be naked rather than – so they gate tried to give her some agency in that Mm -hmm. rather than just her being an object. Right. Yes, exactly. She's – yeah, that's it. She's – for her – that is choosing to be herself, to be in her skin, as it were. Yeah, mm. um, which I think is interesting. Yeah, and also I love Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, and she gets some of the really badass scenes too, like when she pins the guy up against the wall with her foot. Yeah. <laughs> like she's got her foot to his throat through the whole scene. Mm. That I'd be was ex- awesome. You know what would be so exciting in this movie? If you're one of the small name actors that she turns into at some points that would be so cool because you get to do all these crazy stunts yeah <laughs> it's like um jenny agatha in cap 2 where she gets to do all these crazy stunts because it's because black widow dressed as jenny agatha's character it's really cool that would be super fun if you were that, those characters yeah uh she does you said something in your i read your review earlier because i was just scratching around for ideas about what to say about this movie and um you talk about there's a Katniss Braid reference? I missed that. Oh, it's not a reference. She actually has her hair in a Katniss Braid yeah, in the hospital. Yeah, when was that? In the hospital. Yeah. In the hospital, which... She, she gets shot in the leg. Yeah, yeah. And then she goes... And oh, then she right, goes right. into she, hospital. And that's a Katniss Braid. And she has a Katniss Braid. Oh, that's cool. I didn't notice. That's so cool. It is. I was excited because I was like, oh, look, a Katniss Braid on Jennifer Lawrence. It, this tells me where our priorities lie because I was listening to see how well she spoke French because I'm such a accent snob oh i liked that she spoke all the accents yeah i mean not spoke all the accents did i'm all, such an idiot did all languages oh did my god languages. yeah she spoke vietnamese she spoke french she's amazing she's yeah. so amazing mystique had so much to do in this movie that she has never had to do before mm-hmm. even in the last one it was really about her being a tool between those two guys yeah and then this one it's all about mystique being a person mm. and basically the whole future hinges on mystique Right, her and, own and they have to then uh, deal with that. There's a shot at the end of the movie that, like, I think most of my problems with it are there's certain emotional notes that don't get hit mm. because they sort of stuffed everything into this movie. And one of those is at the end of the movie, Wolverine sees Rogue. Yeah. And he looks happy to see her, but we don't really know what happened. Like, we didn't see her die. I'm assuming she died in the future. At and some that point. somehow upset him. Um, I know that Anna Paquin shot a lot for this movie and got cut. I was going to say, actually, that was what I was going to say. She got higher billing than Peter Dinklage. And I was like, I don't know who her lawyer is, but I am no. hiring that person. Because- it's because she shot 20 minutes worth or something of right. footage for the movie. Okay, and, and she ends cut. up being in a frame, basically. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, but that's that's the thing. There's a whole lot of that stuff that's not explained. There's how has like somewhere between, and again, I keep I've seen twice in two different places. Either ten years after the Wolverine or 2023 as the date for the future bit. So there's not it's not explained how Wolverine got his adamantium claws back. What if he had to go through all the same torture all over again? It's not explained. We get um, Professor X back to life. In the post-credit sequence of the Wolverine, there's no explanation of how that happened. There's so many holes in this. Yeah, I think they just sort of seem to want you to forget about X Men Three and the Wolverine movies, except that they directly reference they reference Jean Grey. Yeah, yeah. and Cyclops, who mm-hmm. we were all so thrilled to see. Back to well, life. you and me, the J- the James Marsden. Fans. Oh yeah, as a James Marsden fan, I was like, yay! As a 
person who has ever seen anything of X-Men, I was like, f***ing Cyclops. <laughs> He's such an awful character. Oh, I know. Poor James Marsden and these terrible characters he plays. He's always the guy who's like just a bit of a dick. Yeah, but sometimes it's funny. Oh, yeah. Like in Enchanted or Hairspray, which I think are James Marsden's two best roles. Yeah, and it doesn't mean we don't love him. Yeah. No, I love him. I think that he should be in more because, for one thing, he's a triple threat, which you know how I love triple threats. I do. Um, and I know. If Jennifer Lawrence develops singing and dancing talents, we're all in trouble. Oh, my God. Yes. And for another thing, I think he's much better than he's given credit for, especially when he's doing comedy. Yeah, He's one of those actors who gets really uh, sidelined, probably because he's too good looking. Like, he's too good looking for comedy, but he's also too good looking – like he's too convent, he's too symmetrical. You know, you know that theory about how really perfectly symmetrical people don't make good actors because they don't have memorable faces. Mm. Well, I mean, Chris Evans used to have the same problem yeah, before yeah. he was cast as Captain America. He used to go out and do like minor parts, be supporting roles in a lot of movies mm. because he would only be given certain roles. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. People have overcome it, I'm not, it, and it's not the worst thing in the world. And he's also so wonderful. He's just yeah. I know. I, I have really... a feeling he might play up the jerk aspect of Cyclops as well. Mm. It was pretty exciting to see them all back at the end. But then it it was also like it made my brain go, "Ugh, stupid fucking retcon! It's just a big <laughs> old retcon, boring." But it, and it's all to set up for Apocalypse, which is the post credit sequence. I think also the, I mean, I get what they're trying to do. Mm. But it would have been fine to leave a couple of people dead. You know, like, you, you didn't have to bring back Gene and Scott. Oh, I know. They, they're just going to cause problems because there's going to be too much to deal with in the next movie. They're not going to give everyone enough. There's not going to be enough time to deal with all that stuff. And even more annoyingly, it will be the return of the love triangle that nobody's interested in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Wolverine is actually better without all that stuff. Yeah. So that... I didn't. I didn't really need to see. Um, I did like that Ellen Page got a bit to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was. Good. Um, but really, this movie belonged to the seventies stuff. Really did, and yeah. the seventies stuff was so great. James McAvoy killed it in this movie. Like he was absolutely. You watch him go from rock bottom to somewhere approaching a person again. Mm. You know, like it's it's this really masterful sort of thing in the middle of this big action movie, here's James McAvoy acting his butt off. Mm. Fassie too. Fassie's fantastic. Yeah. But, I, I mean, he does what he does, which is – and what you hire Fassbender for, which is a big, loud, scenery-chewing effort. Yeah. And that's – I mean, he, he did the whole Magneto grandstanding thing. Mm. But even he was really backseat to James McAvoy in this one mm. on purpose in the script. I mean, he didn't have as much to go through in this movie. No, he didn't. The emotional journey that he went through was more in first class. Mm-hmm. Um, this is about Charles a- Charles Xavier's yeah. emotional journey. Yeah, um, and I thought he I j- they hired such good actors for the seventies stuff, the sixties stuff. Right? No, seventies. It's it's the 70s. no. I know, but I meant in first class. Mm. It was the sixties. So right. like, they yeah, hired yeah, yeah. such the good actors old, for those ones. Yes, the older generation. I know, re- like amazing actors. Whereas the Newer generation, I think it feels like it was done on the cheap because pretty much everyone who was in it was like not a huge name at the time. I think Halle Berry was a big, the biggest name among them. Like they were kind of all Ian McKellen. No, he was. He just started playing Gandalf. He he'd had his he he was a very well known British character actor, and he'd been yeah. up for an Oscar and stuff. But none of them would have cost a lot. Basically, none True. of them were like the hot young thing at the time. It and it particularly with people like um. 
Hugh Jackman had made him. But I don't think that when they first made First Class, I think it was a pretty similar situation. Mm. James McAvoy wasn't was a huge. An, he was a bit of an it boy. Yeah, but, but all of them were a little bit quite, on the yeah. edge. Just, of, yeah, just about to and hit Jennifer Lawrence stardom. wasn't anybody yet. No, she wasn't. She wasn't. I don't. She was only. Was she only just Katniss or not Katniss yet? Uh, she wouldn't have been Katniss wouldn't have yet. Been, I don't think. No. Yeah, I think First Class was. I can't remember what year it was. Oh I no, because she would have won an Oscar for Winter's Bone. Yeah, would she have already? Or no, she didn't win for Winter's Bone. She was nominated. Yeah. So she, she would have been an Oscar-nominated actress that they put yeah. in an X Men movie. Yeah, yeah. Because when was it? When was First Class? Two thousand eleven or so. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, because because mm. Hunger Games was twenty twelve, and then yep. Catching Fire was twenty thirteen. Correct. And so she wasn't Katniss yet. She wasn't like huge yet. No, she, she wasn't, was on the cusp of yeah. hugeness. Uh, yeah, she hadn't won that Oscar yet. Yeah. No, because that was Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, which was she would have won it in early twenty twelve. Yeah. So yeah, I guess. I mean, they they are really good. Like. Um, Peter Dinklage as well as the mm. villain. I mean, the only person who's kind of that where it gets a bit cartoonish when they start into Richard Nixon. Like that's one of the more cartoonish portrayals of Richard Nixon that I've seen. Because I mean, you see him all the time. He's not. You see him on Futurama. He's been on Doctor Who. He's been on a lot of things. It's kind of that one was a little bit more uh, over the top, bit more camp than normal. But I don't think it took away from anything. I think that was just more to re- make him recognizable, right? Especially to the audience that X Men is mostly playing to. This is like a five-minute role in the exactly. next and it's, it's Yeah, and they need to shorthand it and all that stuff. I get it. I get it. That didn't really bother me that much. I mean, the things that really bothered me I've already talked about. Lack like, of representation? Lack of representation was something that bothered me. I don't know what they would do to go around, get around it too much. Mm. Um, well, I, I mean, your, your problem is inherent in your narrative in that it's all about these white guys. Yeah. And it's, one blue lady. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They... Could have had somebody other than Beast be the guy. Mm. That's about all I can think of as like really getting around the whole problem of representation. Or, you know, cast somebody else as Wolverine, but that's long in the past now. Mm. So you have that. The lack of representation and the big giant plot holes (laughs) don't make any sense. I'm so willing to forgive the plot holes, though, because you actually have have fun anyway. And it Mm. all makes sense in context like it makes enough sense that you can make leaps in your head or whatever you have to do to make it work i think that's the thing about this one is that it just sort of like it believes in itself so much (laughs) that you just go with it yeah you know like they're like oh no this makes perfect sense and you're like okay yeah like (laughs) why did mystique even know to go and get wolverine from the bottom of the ocean when she hadn't even seen him get down there and why did she think he would be important she didn't even know the guy all that sort of stuff where it's just like it doesn't make any sense but it's so much fun anyway yeah that you're just sort of like yeah when wolverine was at the bottom of the ocean i had to lean over and say to jelly he needs bucky barnes to rescue him (laughs) because i was like oh no another person in the bottom of the potomac this can't go well um what was I going to say before that? Oh, it also seems almost like the makeup that they went for in the 70s was slightly more cartoony and fake than the one that they were going for in the future. Yeah, yeah. Future. Well, the future was meant to look dystopian and everybody was sad and it's all brown leggings. <laughs> yeah, but it was interesting, right? Like mm. they actually sort of seemed to go for a different aesthetic entirely. It is called world building, but yes. No. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, usually you have, like, an aesthetic in terms of the, um, the colour scheme. Movie. 
or the whole movie, but also like the color schemes will be different, but the costumes will be more or less the same Mm -hmm. or the color schemes will be different, but the makeup will be more or less the same. But they actually sort of went, no, no, in the 70s, we'll make makeup that looks like it belongs in the 70s. And in the future, we'll make makeup that looks like it belongs in the future. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, I know it is. I like it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was clever. Because Beast doesn't look quite as realistic as Beast did in the other ones. Mm. Obviously, they couldn't get Kelsey Grammer back to play Greek to play Beast, I guess, in the present because he used to be Kelsey Grammer. Didn't they? Yeah, he was still... I heard his voice. Was that Kelsey Grammer? How do you not know Kelsey Grammer's voice? He's Sideshow Bob, yes. I'm not a Simpsons fan. I didn't grow up with it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he was back in it. He was there. He was definitely in it. Oh, there you go. I heard his voice anyway. Well, that's just me being dumb then. Yeah, no, he he was Um, at the end as well. He got a role about it. He got a bigger role than Anna Paquin in the end. Um... How cool are the um, Sentinels, too? Yeah, yeah. Like, as bad guys, very scary. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have the cheesy talking thing that I know they do in the comics. Yeah, they were really good. I liked those. They were um, they were a good villain. I'm really looking forward to Apocalypse as a villain, though. I didn't know anything about the post credit sequence, so I Googled it. And then um, I was – and now I'm really excited about the next one, mm. at which they've, I guess, reset everybody for – Although, yeah, the whole reset thing kind of makes me go, seems so cynical. Okay, so the next sequel isn't Apocalypse. Mm. The next sequel is set in, oh, wait, it is Apocalypse, but it's set in the 80s. Okay, and so we've got an Apocalypse storyline from the 80s. Me being confused. Um, I know the next sequel is is set in the 80s. Is that just so we can have all of the actors back again? I'm sure it is. Yeah. And so that we can continue the the nostalgia with the 60s, then the 70s, because they went full ball with the costumes. Oh, and and all these little things like he – Wolverine wakes up on a waterbed. (laughs) With a um, a, um, lava lamp in front of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's all kinds of – his clothes and everybody's getting around in brown leather. Everybody's getting, yeah, that's right. There's a great line out of, I think it's in the Guardian, the Guardian's film reviewer said something like Wolverine is transported back to the only decade where his sideburns don't look out of place. (laughs) (laughs) Wolverine was the perfect guy to send back to the seventies. He just fits right in. But it's also, they have so much fun with all the outfits and stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, and and Quicksilver's punk outfits as well. Oh my gosh! Um, which is so great, and just the whole Quicksilver thing was so great. Yeah, he's really good, and I hope they keep him in it. And I hope it sort of, I hope we can have two Quicksilvers in two different universes, technically different universes, and it all works out nicely because I really like this Quicksilver. Evan Peters did a really good job. He was amazing. Yeah. Um, his too quick talking and his his like lack of attention to anything mm. and and he felt like a real young person yeah yeah like you know genuinely angry with authority and not interested in stuff mm. he, was um, great. he was terrific just terrific and that scene with him where he went around and what was the there was a song playing and he's going around the room mm. and <laughs> everybody's guns and i should have opened up my computer because i can look that up but i yeah there it was it was amazing and it was it was loud. I mean, it might have gone on a bit too long, but it was hilarious. I didn't care if it went on too long because it was fun. That's mm. what I mean. Like the whole movie, I was just like, this is so fun. Yeah, yeah. I don't care if he's flying a stadium. It's fun. There's no explanation of the stadium. There's no reason for him to go and take the state. Like the only reason to have the stadium, he needs to quarantine off the White House. I get that. But like 
the fact that he needs to do it with a stadium. But it's so Magneto. It's so over the top. Yeah. It's so Magneto. This is the guy who in Last Stand said Charles always did like mo- building bridges and then moved the Golden Gate Bridge, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Magneto does, Yeah, he right? is well, yeah, he's a massive showboater. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just thought when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, that's so Eric. Yeah. Because <laughs> he is. He's so ridiculous and off. over the top and such a show off. Yeah. That he would do that. And he would do the thing where he walks into the um into the Pentagon with his little stress ball yeah. thing going on and twirling the metal balls. Like, he yeah. is fully embracing this whole look at me thing. And he does it when mm. he's on the cameras for all the mutants in the world. Yeah, yeah. He's like... Pay attention to me. Mutants can be free and can be yourselves and kill humans. Yeah. Like, but that's who, that's kind of who he is. Whereas Charles is not that guy at all. No. He tries to do things in different ways, which is good because it shows the differences between them. Mm. Plus those, all the scenes with those two were like just oozing with sexual tension. (sighs) They're so great in both generations. Yep. Mm. I just so often was just like sitting there looking at the screen going, make out, make out, make out, make out, just make out already. (laughs) Yeah. There was a moment in the future when they shake hands and I was like, that's it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At least hug or something. (laughs) Just like a little pre-death cuddling. It's not that much to ask. (laughs) Like really, I was just sitting there going, why? I believe in the original Days of Future Past, they sent Kitty back. Oh, okay. But obviously that's not going to work for this one. Yeah. Well, I just she's she not established have been enough born. To... Well, that too. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say she Minor issue. I was more importantly, she just wouldn't she's just not been established enough to carry the whole movie. Wolverine has to carry the whole movie. Wolverine's had two solo movies. One of them was completely shit house, but he's had two solo movies and he's in and Hugh Jackman is incredibly charismatic and incredibly relatable in that character. And, and Fox has a giant heart on for Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, really, that's – I mean, he was the main character in basically all the original X-Men movies Yeah, it's too. all about Wolverine. And so – And the good thing about this one is that Wolverine is actually a supporting character. Yeah, yeah. Even though he's the one who's sent back, he's really there to support Eric and Charles and Raven. So, yeah, I feel like – I mean, I think that was actually kind of a good role because she also got hurt and – you know, kept going like a badass. Oh, I know. She was shot and no, shot no, in the leg. Who? Oh, both of them were hurt. Oh, yes. And kept going like a yeah. badass. I was thinking of Ellen Page. Oh, um, yeah. Kitty she was Pride. scratched by Wolverine's adamantium claws. But yeah. Oh, sorry. I think I was busy trying to find the name of the song that plays during Quicksilver's scene. Ah. But instead I ended up finding out about like the really cool cinematography behind it. <laughs> All of the cinematography was good. Mm. I mean, yeah, like I said, Brian Singer may be a horrible person, but he's a really good X-Men director. Yeah. Like, this is by far the most X-Men-y X-Men movie. And it brings together what First Class did so well, which is the character stuff. Yes. That the original X-Men never quite managed to do. Mm. Well, because um, what's his face from First Class? Matthew Vaughn is still involved in this one as well. Who And that was kind of, that really lifted the franchise from what it had been become yeah and he did the original kick-ass as well Mm. and not the sequel just to point out so yeah he but he he married that with what the original x-men did really well which was all that like understanding of why x-men are cool yeah like you you get to see them working together and working against each other and that's really cool um you get to see things like blink does a whole bunch of portals Mm. 
so that Colossus can go through them a whole bunch of times. Yeah. So that when he comes out, he's just like vroom, straight through everybody. Yeah. That was really cool. I believe they did that in the comics as well. But the way they shot it, like I actually knew what was going on in the action sequences. Yeah, yeah. There was no shaky cam or anything like that going on. It, you could see what was going on. And when there were new characters like Blink, they told you who it was. So mm. there was no kind of trying to being like 10 steps behind, just trying to catch up and giving up. Because I read about these characters a bit before I watched the movie, which is the only reason that I knew sort of vaguely who Blink and Bishop were. Although I still don't know what Bishop does. No. What does Bishop do? He had nothing to do. Did he even have a line? No, this? no, he talks. It's Omar Sy, by the way, who right. um, is most famous for The Wire, where he right. played a gay hitman, mm-hmm. but he was also in Robocop. Oh, awesome. He was the guy who got shot in Robocop. Oh, great. If you recall. Because we were like, oh, my God, they replaced the woman with a black man. That's not better. Mm. He was the black man that replaced her. Right. Yeah. Lucky him. He's... Because Bishop seemed cool, like he looked cool, but I was like, people keep sort of charging him up and then he shoots red energy through himself out of his weapon. That seems to be what he does. And I'm like, how? (laughs) I know. No. (laughs) Putting aside the dick jokes. Oh, Katie. (laughs) You're not fun. How does he work? Like, what is his power? And he's the one they send back in time. So maybe he has some healing capacity. We don't know. Wait. We know nothing about this guy. They send Bishop back in time when? Yeah. she. That's how they originally figure out the t- sending the back in time thing is because she keeps sending Bishop oh, back. Oh, right, right. Yes, sorry. It, when they're fighting the Sentinels. Yes. yes. In the beginning, uh, the opening sequence, the pre-credit sequence. Before those, oh my God, how retro were the opening credits? They were like those 3D credits. They were fantastically yeah. 90s. Yeah. But actually, I thought that was good because that tied the movie into the original yeah, trilogy. Yeah, you know, I'm, not, I'm not complaining. It, did, it was really interesting. I just hadn't seen credits like that in a while. So they really seem to tie everything neatly up with a bow, except mm. for the fact that it makes no sense. <laughs> and I don't care because I just, seriously, you can tell how much I enjoyed this. Yeah. Like, all of these things, I was like, yeah, that's bad, but yay. <laughs> Yay, James McAvoy's face. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, seriously, he just oh, he blew me out of the water. I'm he such was so a, good. I'm such a drama queen. I'm a Fassie fan. I'm like, oh, yay, it's Fassie. He's back. Yeah, whatever, again, like Brian Singer, whatever he may have done in, outside of acting, he's an amazing actor. And he just, I'm just attracted to the drama and naughtiness of him. Whereas my favorite is Jennifer Lawrence, as you know. Yeah. Um, but... Even then, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence had a lot to do and she was really great. But, like, I think this movie belonged to James McAvoy's Charles Xavier because he had – because it was really his emotional arc. Yep. Um, and he did it so well. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had so many neat little moments and character moments and he brings everything out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, he has that same ability as – really odd um he has that same ability as like andrew garfield or somebody who has this whole sort of ranging physicality or oh, like marlon brando you have no idea how much in love i am with um, andrew garfield right now after that video where he dresses up in drag oh my gosh yeah yeah it's arcade fire arcade fire yeah wow yeah that was a terrific video but that's the thing andrew garfield he used to be a gymnast mm, and he's amazing and he has this whole physicality to how he plays mm. spider-man yep um, or like Marlon Brando, who famously had a lot of physicality in his acting. I feel like James McAvoy, when he was playing Professor X, put all of this physicality into it. Like there's these moments where he's hunching over and 
like you can see how much he hates being in the wheelchair and all that sort of all these little things that he does yeah that are not necessarily dictated by director yeah that are just how seem to be acting choices he interprets his character yeah yeah so he and there's this scene where he looks really ugly angry (laughs) as Mm. well like his nose is all wrinkled up and he's half in shadow and half in light that i loved when Mm. he's yelling at somebody yeah and his hair was great (laughs) Yes, his, his hair seven his long hair was great. <laughs> oh, it's so greasy and disgusting. I know, it brilliant. Was great. <laughs> yeah, I feel like everybody kind of just fit into this, mm-hmm. like slotted in nicely, and it was all fun and interesting and cool. And I actually didn't mind when they split the focus of the final fight between the two final fights because oh, they I both that worked was excellent. really well. That was really good. That was important that they did that. Well, a lot of the time when they do that in a movie, one fight is not as good as the other. Yeah. And you sit there and you watch it and you're like, oh, I don't want to watch this bit. Let's go back to the yeah. other bit. Well, because And this one, the future fight was so good because everybody kept dying. Like there was real stakes there. There was you know, um, Kitty Pride and Wolverine trying to keep stay in the past while every other person in their whole team went down to sa- to keep them in the past. Like that was amazing. Yeah. And there were I, real stakes, which is what matters. I don't know if you can say there's real stakes because I knew at the first, at the beginning of this movie what was going to happen at the end of it. Fictional stakes? I don't yes. know. Enough stakes that make you you feel for them. You can see one by one their friends march so out into battle emotional. to die. Like emotional, it's emotional stakes. stakes not, yeah. not genuine stakes because you know, like I knew when I started watching this movie that at the end of this movie everybody would come back and be alive and it, I even knew where it would be. I knew it would be at, at the Xavier's school. school. Yeah. Like I knew um, straight away exactly what would happen. <laughs> okay. Except for Jean and Cyclops who I didn't expect to see again. Right. I just keep thinking of there's a cartoon, a comic book page perhaps that keeps doing the rounds of Tumblr about the X-Men about, oh, we've all been dead at some point. <laughs> I'm just like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty much everybody dies in this movie. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> you know what's interesting about this movie is that we enjoyed it enough to get past a lot of our feminist sensibilities. I don't think that it's actually necessarily not feminist because Mystique's storyline within it was really good. Mm. And a lot of the – I mean, they could have done a lot better. But at the same time, a lot of the problems that they had were inbuilt problems with the franchise. Right. N- and not necessarily – and they did the best with the material they had. Yeah. I would much rather have seen somebody else in the Hank role. I thought that the fourth white guy was too many white guys for me. It, it was. It got a bit much. Like just seeing them all sitting in the car in their seventies clothes, and you're like, really? Like Nicholas Holt, good job growing up, but I don't need to see you in everything. Um, I liked the army scenes too in Vietnam. I, that was like that was just sort of an interesting idea that's thrown in there that didn't need to be explored. That. Uh, when the government discovered mutants, that they first thing they did was try to weaponize them. Well, that's not new to this, though. No, it's not, and it, that's why they didn't need to go into any detail about it. They could just throw that in there, and it and we understood. Yeah, because that was on. in the two Wolverine movies. Yeah, that's it, kind we, of a point of Wolverine, right? And it was great. We could just throw that in there. We could have that going on because, of course, the Vietnam War ending is part of the important background of this one. To be honest, part of the reason why I liked it is because you get to see a woman go in and save a bunch of men. Yes! Yeah, she... Yeah, and that was neat. Mm-hmm. Plus, you get to see, like, five more minutes of Alex Summers' Havoc, who is pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we see Havoc again after that, but I'm not totally sure. Um, or maybe it's just that we see his Havoc thingy, his little harness thing. Yeah, yeah, because it's in... um, It's next to the helmet. Yeah. Yeah. Along with one of Angel's wings and... Yeah. 
something that belonged to somebody else from the first movie is right over to the left. Mm. Anyway. I don't remember all that. But no, I don't think we see Havoc again. I would remember his pretty little face. Actually, the point I'm trying to make is that clearly the entire universe that they're setting up in X-Men Days of Future Past is an alternate universe from the one that we've been experiencing up until that point. Yes. I think is the is more what I'm trying to say. Because yeah, pretty much. Also, if the Sentinels were introduced in 1973, where were they in the 2000s when we were watching X-Men? Who knows? Who knows, really? Right? Like, Good question. <laughs> Wolverine knew about them. Nobody else did. Or something. I don't know. Yeah, he killed all of them. Just as soon as they were made, boom, they're boom, dead. Gone. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And uh, there's other things that sort of you're, you're like, how was this set in 2023 when these guys were all in school in what, like 2000? And that's supposed to be 23 years later, and they only look about 10 years older. There's there's no way that you could can you can tell me that Ellen Page in this movie looked like she was. 23 years older than she was in 2000. She's got mutant healing powers, Kitty. <laughs> no, she doesn't. Kitty Pride doesn't have mutant healing powers. Maybe she has other mutant powers, like <laughs> non-aging ones. Kitty Pride, in fact, Kitty Pride doesn't have t- time traveling or causing other people to try and travel powers either. No, but it was um, convenient to have it in this movie. No, no, it like was her. kind to give her, to give them to her, in, or it was a service, or it was a no. It was fair to give them to her in this movie because originally she should have been the one who went back in time in the Days of Future Past comic. So she needs a yeah, decent So they gave line. her a – yeah, exactly. So they okay. gave her that job so that she was still a major part of the story. We've been talking for almost an hour, so she'll probably wrap up. Okay. Let's uh, rate this movie instead of babbling. Okay, three and a half. Four stars from me. Yay, four stars. Well, that's pretty good. You did have a lot of fun. Okay, thanks very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you want to read our show notes or find old episodes, you can do that on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. You can find us on Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. On Facebook, just search for Silver Screen Queens. We have a page. You'll find it. <laughs> I, don't know what, go, I don't know what the address is. <laughs> God, Katie. I mean, I'm going to have to look it up. I think it's facebook.com forward slash silver screen queens but that, I don't know. that might be optimistic um, if you want to see my reviews of X-Men Days of Future Past or any of the movies that I see this year you can go to my website which is wordpress.silverscreenqueen.com you didn't no, it's, it's silverscreenqueen right. <laughs> no s dot wordpress dot com and by Melissa the way knows my, my I was address. correct it is facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens all one word and we're on twitter at screen underscore queens. I think that's all of them. <laughs> Thanks. Sounds right. Yes. Thanks for listening. Bye. See you next time. We had wine. Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs>